John, 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 I took a few weeks off New Year's and stuff. Yes, because yes. New Year's is the liminal week where it just goes. It's like transit, isn't it? In there, yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, it's neither here nor there, and you know, it's um, it's the buffer point between Christmas and actual New Year, yeah, where not much is happening. I mean, certainly not. We got to, I think, a point in that week where we both just went, Oh. We should be recording. <laughs> we should we should be recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of left it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to be fair, um, it's I think it was the perfect time, really, just to just to recharge batteries. I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, I had a good Christmas. Quite quiet. Can't ask for more, really. Very good. How about you? Again, yeah, very um, quiet. Just me and my family, um, as it always is. To be fair, yeah. Um, regardless of um, you know, um, pandemic things or whatever, you know, um. It, it was it was lovely just as it always is. Yeah. You know. Um, New Year's. New Year's was tremendous. Um, I uh, we well we weren't sure if we were going to be having like a small gathering or not, but we decided to go ahead with it because everyone was feeling fine. You know, plenty of um negative lateral flows and PCRs <laughs> and all that, so everyone was happy. And uh, it was it was a lovely um lovely time with uh with everyone around and um a friend a mutual friend of ours Jamie was ludicrously drunk <laughs> and if you're listening to this jamie i am sorry for bringing it up but it was very very funny and um and yeah i've heard the stories yes <laughs> <laughs> that's for an offshoot podcast i think <laughs> um but uh, but no it was wonderful and um i'm happy to 2022 2022 god it's uh it's too many twos yeah you know <laughs> it doesn't look like a nice year wait until we get the second of february Oh god! Oh god! I know. DMA. I forgot. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. DMA. But um, but uh, but no. Um, yeah, it's um, I'm, I'm glad to be back. It's um, a good New Year. I don't really believe in New Year's resolutions, really. But no, my New Year's resolutions for care. Yeah, really. Yeah. Oh, good. How? Uh, okay. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Anyway, so. What did you have for me today, Lee? Um, if you couldn't I, mean, I, al- tell, I already know. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you couldn't tell it obvious by the what I was singing really badly. Yeah, with all Johns, uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, specifically the Fellowship of the Ring. Absolutely, the extended yes. edition. Uh, extended edition. Did I watch the extended edition? Yes, you did. That's why it was so long. Yeah, that's why it's on two discs. <laughs> oh goodness me. Um, yeah. Um, so obviously, um, the reason why. Um, obviously, as you know by the format of this of this um, podcast, I've never seen Lord of the Rings. You know, it's twenty one years old now. Sorry, it, it came out two thousand one. Oh, it d- I, I know. It's um, that's that's a while ago. That mm. that is a while ago. It actually, um, premiered on my birthday in two thousand one, December tenth. Lord God, and you what? You were forty six then, were you? Or yeah, <laughs> I didn't watch uh, Lord of the Rings till the Two Towers came out. Actually, I missed that one. All oh, right, okay. Did you not get into it until the no? Right, okay. Because I wasn't into much... I say I wasn't into much fantasy. I loved Final Fantasy at the time. I liked Zelda at the time. But I don't know, other fantasy stuff just didn't mm. have a grip on me. Mm-hmm. And now it's all consume. I love it's fantasy just, stuff. Y- you're in the light. I mean, like, going by the, um, the you know, the fabled bookcase that we... I think we've referenced before that's currently to the... Well, it's my left and to Lee's right. Yeah. Is um, just an entire bookcase full of fantasy novels, games memorabilia i mean the novels are my partners because i can't read 
<laughs> but the game that the other section is yours then, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Me, I'm 32. I never learned how to read. Goodness right. me. You should sort <laughs> that out, really. I know. Um, I'm just really bad when it comes to books. Yeah. Well, actually, I've really. Well, I've always. Well, I say that. Um, I think it was until like my mid-teens when I really started to get into reading. Mm. Like, cause I have a massive library at home. Yeah. Um, and it's extending right now. In fact, <laughs> I um, I over the over the over the Christmas period, I got um, Wuthering Heights. Um, good song. It it is an excellent song. Um, it's also hopefully a good book as well. <laughs> um, I got a uh, Mouse by Art Spielman as well. Um, one of the greatest graphic novels ever created, but next mouse to spell like M E U S. Yes, mouse. Mouse. Yes. yes. Um, I know of it. I've never read it. Yeah, same. Um, but apparently, it's up there with the likes of Watchmen and um, uh, Dark Knight Returns and yeah. great stuff like that. Um, what else did I get? Uh, I also got um, oh goodness me! Oh, another uh, an updated copies of um, The Invisible Man by H. G. Wells. Um, uh, another edition of the Great Gatsby books that I've already read. Yeah. But um, but I never liked the covers, you see. So <laughs> and um and another cover of um the the picture of Dorian Gray, which I've never read, but I, w- I will be reading soon. Uh, but today in the post came Naked Lunch by mm-hmm. uh, William Burroughs, um which I'm very excited to read. Um but but yeah um back to fantasy yes. yes um you weren't yeah so it wasn't until like the second one that you watched it yeah like it wasn't into fantasy it kind of kicking screaming trying to see Lord of the Rings and then mm. I watched it and I was like yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you really enjoyed. yeah um so yeah I, I was I mean obviously I was aware of Lord of the Rings yes um, I mean you could not he, yeah you couldn't not be um, it's one of the big films that I came on the past, yes like, it is it's it, it was just one of those films that like well series of films that literally everyone I know um apart from um apart from again a reference jamie i think i think he's the only other person who's not seen it um i don't think he's seen it um my parents hadn't well my mom hadn't seen it yeah um because she's not really into fantasy at all like fantasy sci-fi it's just not her thing uh my dad's seen it i think he's seen all of lord of the rings yes i know he has because he had um pirated copies of the dvds from when i was young yep sam Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i had like for your consideration on the bottom yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, so I know that he'd seen him, um, and he was watching uh, the Hobbit films, uh, which are prequels, I believe, aren't yes. they? Yes. Okay. Um, and, um, but obviously I was, yeah, so I was aware of Lord of the Rings. I knew, you know, I knew all the memes. I knew, you know, um, one does not simply, you know, take a piss without taking a shit or something like yeah, that. You know, Mordor, that yeah, thing. that's the one. That's the one. Sean Bean's famous line. Yes. <laughs> um, obviously, Gandalf, I was aware of Ian McKellen's yeah. role. I was aware of all the funny stories that he told on on, uh, on Graham Norton where he said, because um, he was nominated for playing Gandalf. Yeah. Um, it was in this film, wasn't it? Um, I think so, yeah. They got a lot, every film got a lot of nominations for Oscars. Yeah, it was like 12 Oscars or something yeah. like that. Something mind-boggling. Um, and they and so he said he was nominated for playing Gandalf. And of course, the shot it in New Zealand. Yeah. And he was... Um, and he was going to uh, the Oscars, um, and he, but, he was, but he was wearing these green beads around his neck, which is called the Punami. And, uh, and they're meant to be uh, like sacred um, like stones from New Zealand, um, which um, if you wear them for long enough, uh, they'll, they'll, you'll find your way back to New Zealand at some point. And they'll also they'll bring you a bit of luck. So he was wearing them, and all the New Zealand members of the crew were wearing them on the night, and he bumped into Maggie Smith. And uh, his impression of Maggie Smith was so funny. He went, yeah, hello. Well, what are you here for? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like your impression of Tom. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. 
uh, just for context as well, Tom is. Um, I think we've mentioned Tom before on here. He's a our very, friend Tom. Our friend Tom. The next he's, podcast. Yes, he's a very very good friend of ours. Uh, filmmaking genius and all around oh, um, tremendously funny, dry witted guy. Um, king of one liners as well. I think. Yeah. Um, he. Um, but my impression of him just sounds like that. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't really sound like that. But uh, <laughs> every time you describe him, it always comes out like that. Yeah, it does. Um, so Maggie's mother's like, yeah, hello, yeah, what, what, are, what are you here for? And I said, well, um, I've, I've been nominated, Maggie. And he, and he was like, I'm, I'm wearing my, um, I'm wearing my, po- my, my, my Poonami. Maggie, this is my Poonami's right now. It's very nice. Yes. And he said, it's meant to bring me a bit of luck, you know. And, uh, and he said, and you sit there and you, and you sit there for, and he, and he, and he went, and, you, and it goes on for like three or four hours, the Oscars. And you went, oh God, he went, you sit there and you sit there. And then everyone wins the Oscar apart from you. <laughs> and uh, so then afterwards you're feeling a bit dejected looking forward to a drink and he bumps back into Maggie Smith and she went didn't work did it <laughs> <laughs> so that's all like all I know of like yeah, the behind the scenes of uh, Lord of the Rings but of course the great Peter Jackson yeah uh, directed all three yep um, and which paved the way for his passion piece uh, King Kong yeah which I have seen <laughs> um, which I think is rather quite good um, if not regrettable that Jack Black is think slightly miscast in that role mm. i think maybe but that's an argument for another day um i so yeah i managed to avoid it for the 25 years that i've been alive <laughs> um i just because honestly the reason why i hadn't watched it is because i'm just a- again it's just it never appealed to me yeah it was just something as simple as that like i had nothing against it i i, I always said if i was in a position where um Lord, i had to watch lord of the rings or like someone was like let's watch lord of the rings i'd be like fine yeah do you know what i mean sure let's watch it i've uh, you know i have nothing against elijah wood or ian mckellen like i love ian mckellen um and i always thought well if ian mckellen's in it then it must be good you yeah. know and if they've been nominated for 12 oscars or like they're, 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 i mean the highly revived re- like revered like loved passionately loved films yeah, yeah like incredibly incredibly much loved and it's the greatest fantasy franchise in the world i think really yeah it's up there like this is one of the big blockbuster films like absolutely i think the only thing that came previously before in terms of like hype and kind of worldwide phenomenon was star wars to be honest yeah like the closest thing i could compare it to is star wars really um this big sweeping odyssey do you know what i mean which is what it is um and so you gave me uh the dvd yes copy not the blu-ray no i've got my reasons for this yes uh, which are so the Blu-ray, you can really see like all the little cheats and all the little like kind of things they did, which was on standard definition can get away with. Mm. When it's in Blu-ray, it's crystal clear that it's like, say, it's in the third film, but there's the scene where there's a ho- there's someone on a horse with a hobbit in front of them. Right. And when they're walking, it's blatantly a dummy. It's just you can see the dummy just like static moving. <laughs> and then when it gets a closer up, it's just a kid. It's a, a tiny child. A tiny child, right? And cool. like in the Standard definition, I think you don't see that as much. Um, so it's like... No. Um, I have to be honest. Okay, so for a start, I watched it. Yes, <laughs> you did. So I have seen the first Lord of the Rings film. I sat and watched uh, Fellowship of the Ring, the extended edition. Yes. And I didn't realize it was the extended edition um, until I think actually I put it in. And I was like, oh, it's the... Oh, goodness me. I thought you were going to say until I get to the... Please put in disc two. <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I knew it was... Uh, but I just thought that's how long it was. I just thought, um, you know, it was um, just a really long, <laughs> long film. I mean, it was like... what? It's like four hours or something. Yeah, the theatrical's like three, I think. Yeah, the, the I thought it was three hours. And yeah. then I... Because I thought then on the... Actually, right, no. Because <laughs> I thought I was watching the standard edition. Yeah. 
Um, but I thought that it was just because um, it, oh, it's three hours long, so the um, the 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 film is like an hour, like two hours or something like that on the first disc, and then the re- the remaining hour is just on the next disc. But uh, but no, it was um, literally like another two hours or something on the next disc and i was like this is this is like four hours long (laughs) so (laughs) i was like bloody hell um and and i was in for a ride and that might be part of the um the criticism slight criticism that i had for it really in that in that sense was because of my ignorance to not realizing that i was watching the extended edition i kind of found myself going wrap it up you know what i mean <laughs> like like come on let's let's get on with it you know like because it got to a point where i was really starting to get fatigued just getting rid of here um running time for the original is two hours 58 minutes uh, dvd extended editions uh three hours 28 wow okay the blu-ray extended editions 48 how? What? About 20 minutes apparently in the blu-ray how i know i watched it L- lunacy <laughs> absolute ludicrous um so yes, um, I do you know what I I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought at least from a filmmaking standpoint, you would. Yes, I I I think um, okay for a start from a filmmaking standpoint, it's baffling, <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah, it's absolutely. I think it's an absolute technical achievement, oh, and you yeah. can easily see why it got like y- you know as as much critical acclaim as it did, um, because I found myself like watching it and just the the trickery of like the hobbit stuff yeah really like the height difference because obviously ian mckellen is normal man size yeah and hobbits are hobbit size yes um and i was like you know it's the kind of thing where <laughs> and uh, this is gonna and I, and I promise this isn't this isn't like sounding like um, bitchy or anything like that but it's um but if you know him then you then you'll know what I mean. It's the kind of thing where you watch it, and if if you're watching it with Tom, Tom would go, "Well, it's obvious how they did that." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like it's really screamingly obvious how they did that, and I'm actually really baffled that you don't know how they did that. And I was sitting there going, "I don't know how they did this." Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> so, which bit are you talking about? Are you talking about the carriage? Well, just how the well the carriage was the moment that I noticed. I was like, okay, because when I was watching it, and you know when Gandalf first appears on his carriage, yeah, and and Elijah Wood appears on that little hill thing, yeah, I was like. Okay, I can kind of understand how they Force did that. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like perspective and like the split melding together of two shots. Yeah, sure. Um, but when he hops on the, on the um, on the on the carriage and like get gives him a hug and stuff, uh, and I was like, was that done done with a child? Half and half. So he hops on the carriage. That's Elijah Wood. But when he goes to hug, it's like a kind of a back shot. Right. So you can't. Yeah, I know. I thought, yeah, because you Every don't time see you see like a hobbit hugging someone it's taller, a tr- it's, it's normally a, back shot. It's a back shot, right. It's okay. Um, sure. But the carriage was forced perspective. So um, Elijah Wood's sitting close to the camera and Neil McCallum's back a bit. Right, yes, he is. So when yeah. it's straight ahead, it looks like they're together, but mm-hmm. he's like. So clever, isn't it? So far back. Mm-hmm. And so simple. Yeah. But like, that that's what I thought. I was just like, this is. Very clearly in camera trickery. Yeah. But I'm not quite sure like how it was achieved. So I'm you know, so that make that makes total sense, like the whole perspective thing. I believe Bilbo's house was two sets. Right. A smaller set for Ian McKellen to kinda of crouch around and kinda of hit his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a normal size normal set. Normal size set for Robert. Ian Holm, yeah. Um, Remember, uh, again when they're in when they're on the coffee table together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was like I think the uh, 
different bits of table and different bits, so he's like pouring over here and stuff like that. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another forced perspective thing to make him look like he's sitting there hunched over. Yeah. While he's still getting stuff past the woman's stuff. Oh, it's so clever, isn't it? <laughs> it's so good. It just it just makes it and that was the thing and I was watching it and I was thinking, you know, this this is the reason why we become filmmakers. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just to like to just be really, really creative and figure out how to do things that you know, would y- y- at one time you would think, oh, this is ludicrous. You know, like that, how how's that done? How's that done? But it's just p- it's just problem solving, isn't yeah. it? Really, it's just figuring out like how can we do this the best way possible. I mean, the film's what now twenty odd years old, and it still looks great. That's precisely what I was about to say. <laughs> like that's the because <coughs> uh, first off, I forgot to take notes during this when I was watching it. <laughs> so that's a good um, sign. Yeah, I, I totally forgot to take notes uh, when I when I was watching it. Um, because I think partly because I was quite engrossed in it. And I just felt like sitting watching this film yeah. and um, and just looking at it, breaking it down like how I often do when I watch movies. And um, and but that's the thing I don't usually take notes. So yeah. um, so 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 I just thought I'm just well, I didn't think at all. I was just sitting watching Lord <laughs> of the Rings, and um, that was the first thing that I really thought of was this film came out in two thousand and one, and it still looks. Fantastic, it's fantastic yeah. for its age. It is aged really well, and especially the um, the the bit where like the CGI bits, where they're fighting that big troll thing. Yes, the Balrog. The, the, oh, the, the, the troll. Yeah, the, the troll. Yeah. The big, the big. Um, was it an orc? Um, was it a big orc, or was it a big? <laughs> was Sasha's it? gonna kill me if I get this wrong. My partner. Um, sorry, Sash. <laughs> it's a cave. I think it's a cave troll when they're fighting in the um, in the mines. Yes. Yeah, that one. Yes. Okay, so like the big cave troll thing, and I was like, obviously you can, obviously you can tell it's CGI. Yeah. But I was thinking, God, it's still, you know, and I don't know if it's just because of it's a DVD copy, so you know, it's not quite as high resolution as it could be. But um, I was thinking, you know, this still looks good mm. for a twenty odd year old film, like a twenty one year old film. It still looks good. Yeah. And um. Y- 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 you know, I was thinking, you know, people today, like, it's... some C- They may have even looked better than some CGI today. Really. Well, it's a good comparison to The Hobbit. The Hobbit was full CGI. It's terrible. Great. It? There's a great story behind it. Uh, Lindsay Ellis video, Yeah. if it's still online. Yeah. Um, She went and talked to, like, some of the staff and stuff and talked about, like, just how badly the production went. And that... Of The Hobbit? Rushed, yeah. Right. Because it was rushed. That's why it was mostly CGI, because it was kind of rushed yeah and then the lord of the rings they took the time i think they started filming 98 99 god jesus and they just took the time got everything problem solving false perspective well that's <laughs> that's what it is isn't it and that and that and that i think is like one of the big things that like you know i really feel quite strongly about is passion and care mm. you know what i mean because it's like when well, you're seeing there like that that the, the started shooting in 1998 i mean that i think so yeah well some, that that's probably true because you can you can see i mean like for a start the film's very long yeah but you, uh, putting its length aside the vast majority of um like effects that are done in the film is practical yeah you know what i mean and um and you can and i adore that so much because it just looks more believable it looks more well it looks real you know what i mean and it's like probably because it is you know it's actually yeah. physically there in front of you you can see the makeup on the orcs looks fantastic um still looks fantastic um the the whole obviously like the whole the camera trickery with like the hobbits and stuff like that and like the size difference it's fantastic and they only use cgi when they absolutely need to yeah 
you know like i mean i mean yeah the whole thing with like the uh the the firework bit yeah the dragon yeah the dragon thing dated when it shows you know. um the fellowship when they all get together and yeah. it's got gimli tiny then tiny hobbits there with yeah them standing there that can yeah yeah but but yeah oh yeah you can like put like things aside for that but it's um but still though i'm like you know that that troll still looks really good yeah and that big fire demon the thing balrog, yeah the balrog um uh that still looks quite good you know um i think i might be wrong on this but i think i might have been um like captured kind of stop motiony but not stop motion they might have like modeled it and oh so it's done with miniatures maybe yeah oh I'm that's not too sure on that I hope it was. One. I mean, you can tell a lot of the sets were done with miniatures as well, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. And that I really adore. I adore stuff like that. I adore when they use miniatures. And when they do, when you do miniatures well, you can't tell that it's miniatures. And it's like, well, actually, there's a good example <laughs> of when I started to pick it apart a little bit on, um, you know, Batman 89. Yeah. Um, You know, the bit where uh, the, bat mo- the bat plane gets uh, shot down by Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Um. And and it's coming down and it crashes. That was all done with miniatures. And now, when you look at it now, uh, and you and you look carefully at the streets and the roads, you can so tell that it's done with miniatures. And it's it's I'm like, oh, that's great. And it doesn't take me out of it. You know, it doesn't take me out of the experience because you know you're still immersed in it and you can appreciate it for what it is. But I just look at it as a filmmaker. I kind of go, y- you know, that that's a wonderful way of getting around problems. And I wish that um. I wish that stuff like that was used more um, because it just adds that other level of wonder and creativity to the process of filmmaking. And I think that's my biggest thing that I took away from Lord of the Rings. It was just a big expression of creativity, you know, and I think that's why it was so quite good. Um, so, yeah, from a filmmaking point of view, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, actually, as well, the <coughs> the whole the action sequences were really quite well, well done as well. Yeah. You know, um, looking at the Balrogs CGI, the Balrogs fully CGI. Yeah. Wow, goodness me, still holds. Yeah, it it does. It still holds up. Um, it y- you know, and like the obviously the famous scene because I was watching because my mother was watching a bit of it with me. Yeah, because she was like, well, I've never seen it either, so I'll watch it, and um, and I'll get onto her thoughts in a second, <laughs> uh, which actually ties into like what I generally thought of the of the whole thing. Um. That whole bit with Ian McKellen, um, Gandalf facing off against the the Balrog, is that yeah, uh, yeah. Um, it's um, uh, you know, I was like, oh, he's gonna say it, he's gonna <laughs> say the famous line, and he did, and I was just like, ah, oh, he said the line, he said the line, lovely. Um, it was very powerful, you know, mm. that scene. You know, it's like it, it's still, it's quite a, it's it's still such a really cool scene, and um, I mean, up because up until that point, I was thinking, you know, Gandalf's a wizard. He hasn't done a lot of wizardry stuff, really. He doesn't really do much. I mean, he he shouts in a scary voice every so often. Yeah um and and the place like sort of like gets a bit gloomy um and he you know he sort of like appears in one place and then another and he sets off a lot of fireworks so i'm like you know he's a jovial fella you know he's having a good time he's he throws a uh, christopher lee about a bit yeah about christopher lee wonderful to see him you know y- y- he's one of them people who you forget is like well no he's very much dead yeah but <laughs> um but <laughs> But it's like, oh, good lord! It's it's Christopher Lee. You um, know? Christopher Lee was the nerd on set who was correcting um, Peter Jackson because he was friends with Tolkien. Oh, was he? Yeah. So he kept wow. on correcting anything. He's like, no, this should be like this. This should be like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that that's really, oh, that's <coughs> really cool. That's that's really cool. I like that. Um, what I, what I thought about that his character, um, Sauron, isn't Sauron, it? Sauron, yeah. Sauron, yeah. Um, it's. That's so confusing because obviously Sauron is Christopher Lee's character, but like the villain, like the the oh evil yeah. spirit is 
No, Saruman is his. Saruman. That was Sauron, it. Yeah. Sauron. Yeah. See what I mean? Yeah. Like Sauron. Yeah, it's like Sauron is like the evil, the big bad. Yes. The big evil eye thing. And Saruman is. Saruman is uh, the other wizard who goes evil. Yeah. I kind of knew that was gonna happen, like the moment I saw him. <laughs> I was like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know, it, it's like because the, the two of them are talking as if they're pals or whatever, and I'm like, oh, they're pals, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, but I'm like, he's looks evil, and like <laughs> he's gonna turn evil, and then he did turn evil, so I was like, well, yeah, of course he was, you know what I mean? Um, but it just kind of um, that's the thing I think about the story. I think is the strongest point of um, of uh, actually no, I'll finish my point about Ian McKellen because I was gonna say that. Yeah. Um, the CGI looks great in that scene, especially when like um, the sh- when like his shield thing came over and yeah. when he falls to his death and all that sort of thing. Um, uh, y- you know, I I just really was just immersed in it, and I thought I believe it. You know, the scale. That's another thing as well. Scale. <laughs> Good lord, this film does scale yeah. well. You know, and you feel it. You know, um, especially like those bits where on the when they're on the they're on that big river. Yeah. And there's like those two massive statues and stuff. That's the that's the moment where I thought scale, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and that was just fantastic. Uh, the whole those loads of sweeping shots of like different, them running and yeah, of them running and uh, you know of landscape like horseback riding and uh, um, New Zealand just looks beautiful. Oh yeah, it looks absolutely stunning. And I'd I'd I'd, I'd love to see that part of the world at some point. Apparently, there's a Mordor pilgrimage where you start where. Hobbiton was filmed, and you walk towards where <laughs> Mordor was filmed. Wow, I like like Mount Doom and all that. Or is yeah. It? Oh, okay. Yeah. Mount Doom. Mount Doom. What a what a what a what a name for a mountain. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, imagine if you lived there before. Like, Don't go there. Why Doom? Not Doom. You know, it's it's called Mount Doom. Was it called that before all the evil people came, or was it <laughs> was it there before the evil people came? Because well. I just thought Mount Doom. It's an unfortunate name, isn't it? You know. Um. But uh, but no, um, I thought I, I genuinely I thought from a expertly well crafted. Oh God, yeah. You know, so so well crafted. There's so many faces in it as well. That oh I never, yeah. You know, um, that I never knew uh, were in it. I like Liv Tyler. I didn't know she was in it. Yeah. You know, um, the uh, obviously the guy who plays Aragorn. I knew he was you know there. Um, Hugo Weaving. Yeah. I forgot he was in it. Um, Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah. Who hasn't aged? much Ever. since then <laughs> like she has not aged at, at all, all. Yeah. it's it's mental like whereas like I same with so Frodo yeah uh-huh. Elijah, Wood is on Elijah Wood has not aged at all Um, it was quite funny actually because I, I was watching recently Um, uh, what's it called uh, Don't Look Up yeah Um, which she's in it yeah she's in it and I you know I was thinking when I watched this and I thought she was just in um, that film that I've watched um, Don't Look Up Um, and she has not aged at all by the way have you seen Don't Look Up yeah I saw like Half and half, it was on during Christmas and all that. There. What did you think of it? Um, it seemed alright. I mean, I was kind of zoning in and out of it. I wasn't, didn't have a full watch. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Like I thought, um, because it's by um, oh god, Adam Adam McKay, and he did Vice, and um the uh the Big Short. Right. So he's done like overtly political essay films, like, and he's and he's very biased as to his political <laughs> leanings um but like i know this is going off on a tangent but the point i was going to make was um all right okay um don't look up is fine it's a very it's a, if, if anyone's watching this uh listening to this rather um go and watch uh don't look up and form your own opinion but um i thought it was very 
I thought it was a fun little comedy, very on the nose. It's very obvious what it's parodying. It's very, very obvious on the nose stuff. But I think it makes itself very self-aware, so maybe that's fine. But Leonardo DiCaprio gives a great performance. He has aged so, so obviously in the last 20 years, hasn't he? Like that, and I know that age comes to us all, but like when you look at Kate Blanchett, say in Lord of the Rings, and you look at her now, there's very little difference. Yeah. Um, if you look at Leonardo DiCaprio over the course of twenty years, uh, wow, good lord. Trying to think what film he was in about twenty years ago. All I can think is Titanic, which was ninety-seven. That's not too far away. You know, he was still like young, good-looking. I mean, he's still a good-looking man. Yeah. Um. You know, it's just it's like in this film. Well, it's probably to do with like the character he's playing. He did have a scraggly beard at the start. Yes, he did. He did, and then he looks uh, more like himself. I just thought, God, Leo Leo has like aged correctly. I would (laughs) I would say more like Macaulay Culkin. He's aged like an actual human. (laughs) He yes, Leonardo DiCaprio has aged like a proper human being. Um, but um. Macaulay Culkin, on the other hand, I don't know where I'm going with this, but like, <laughs> I'm just going for it. But Macaulay Culkin has aged so bizarrely because he's like relatively the same age as Leo. He's like in his twenty. Yeah. Well, actually, no, he's not. He can't be. Um, Maybe he's slightly younger. He's slightly younger, but he's in his early forties. Yeah, and he 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 looks crazy. He he looks like a weird human being and i love macaulay culkin if you're listening to this macaulay i love you but you're a weird looking fucker <laughs> um anyway back to the matter at hand um i i one okay my mother said um because i was watching it with her and i went and I, I could say she was engaged with it a little bit i mean she was she was doing other things at the same time but she went um i went it's all right this isn't it <laughs> you know and she went she went it is she went it, do you know something she went it's not as bad as i thought it was going to be she went because I'm still not into fantasy. I like I wouldn't watch this sort of thing if again I don't think maybe not. But she said, but I'm engaged with it because of how she said there's quite there's a level of humour to yeah. it, and I think yeah, and like she was saying like some good little one-liners here and there, and I thought that's what it is, isn't it? It's the writing. Yeah. It's the story, and that's the thing I think that is Lord of the Rings' strength okay. because it's um, it's. I can I can I can absolutely see that basically every fantasy property is based off Lord of the Rings. N- I mean, yeah. Yeah, like that is it's true though, isn't it? Yeah, very much. N- n- yeah. Lord of the Rings is like big sweeping epic like that like fantasy epic. A lot of things I've played and mm-hmm. watched and things all baseline comes from there. Yeah. <coughs> they are. Exactly. And it's like cuz like it's the whole thing of I think the first exposure I got to that kind of story was um when I was a small child and I watched um this is so obscure. John was a young boy. He was once. Um you might you might know this. I don't know. Right, okay, were you ever in the do, do you know what Bionicle is? Yes, I know what Bionicle is. Right, okay. Did you ever see the um the the movie that they made I called Bionicle the movie, <laughs> Mask of Light. <laughs> I remember adverts for it when I was a kid, but Bionicle was like a little bit yeah under my age. Yeah, yeah. cuz it was round about the same time as Lord of the Rings, I think. Um probably about 2001. 2001, right? 2002, right that that age, that well that that era. Um and I remember watching that as a child and I loved it. And I thought this is um this is like the best thing ever. 
Um, but it's basic. It's basically just Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> where they do this, where they do the opening, uh, the opening prophecy thing of like, uh, right, once many thousands of years ago, when the world was taking shape, um, there was several bit. There were there were several rings given to, um, <laughs> you know, the different races like the dwarfs, the man, and the elves. You know, and then there was one bad bugger who made his own ring, full of full of evil shit. And then there was a big war. They thought they defeated him, but the ring was lost. Um, and then that forms the basis of the story. And that's basically what Mask of Light is. <laughs> so there was... Um, a mask? Th- mask given the masks? There was a mask. Yes, exactly. So what, what the plot was of Mask of Light was... Um, there was um, obviously the uh, um, this, this, this island um, uh, of... Um, and there's a spirit. The spirit of Mata Nui. Um, who was... Because it's all based on, like, um, New Zealand folklore, I think. Because it was Mata Nui thing in Moana. Yeah. Close to, yeah. Close to it. Uh, well, it's either New Zealand folklore or... No, it's not. It's not. It's Hawaiian folklore, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so it's based on, like, that sort of thing. So Mata Nui was uh, this spirit in, in Bionicle and they created the um, the uh, um, the Matanoran or something like that. Oh, the Matoran, I think, or something like that. I'm, tr- I'm really trying to remember the lore of this. Uh, but they had the uh, the the mighty warriors called the Toa, and uh, and the Toa were um, this is so nostalgic for me. I'm really <laughs> like uh, the Toa who were like these basically like um, Power Rangers effectively, yeah, um, figures who protected the island and also fought against um, uh, the evil spirit of um, Makuta, and Makuta was the uh, the evil brother. Of matter, God, it just got very bright in this room. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, Makuta was the evil twin brother of uh, Matanu- of uh, Matanui, and he put him in a deep slumber. Um, and he was gonna like take over the world and or take over the island or whatever. But then they defeated him, and then he was hiding in the shadows. So basically, it's Lord of the Rings. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, but then there was this mask called the Mask of Light, that was uh, that was hidden, and that it was like the uh, the the uh, the seventh to- the, the fabled seventh Toa, who would. Um, whoever puts on the mask of light, the chosen one, will become the seventh Toa and bring about. So it's basically Jesus. Yeah. Like, and they will bring about, like, um, um, uh, you know, kill the evil one forever. So it's also there's a bit of Star Wars in there. There's a bit of chosen one stuff. Um, and which again, similar to Lord of the Rings, you know, because yeah. Frodo is effectively the chosen one. Yeah. In a sense. Um. So, but there was there was the six Toas. There was um, um, uh, Tahu, who was like the fire guy. Um, Kupaka, who was the ice guy. Gali, she was the water one. Uh, um, th- th- I can't remember the rest of them. Uh, there was Liwa, who was like the foresty air one. Uh, there was uh, the, the there was the stone one and the and the earth one. There's no difference between stone and earth, yeah. right? Really, but like <laughs> they, were, they were grasping at straws with that one. I think uh, they were trying to like, but I can't, I can't, I can't remember the names. Puhatu and um, Anua. That was it. Yeah, Anua was the stone one and Puhatu was the earth one, I think. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, but then eventually, but like two little fellas who were, um, who was, one of them was a hockey player and the other one was his best mate. And they went on a, and they, and the mask of light apparently was calling to, um, to this little, this little lad to, to go and be the chosen one. So they went on this epic journey to, um, that was guide, the mask of light was going to guide them, Right. Right, I'm still listening. To um, to to where they needed to be, to the summit, where the Mount seventh, th- sorry, Mount Doom, Mount Doom. Well, they're going to Mount Doom, where the seventh tour would appear, 
the person who was going to put on the mask was going to appear and they were going to put it on and then he would become space jesus space jesus um like um hawaiian jesus um but do you know who was sent on the journey to uh, to kill them as well you know the riders in black mm. we had them as well <laughs> they were called the rakshi and they were big, horrible space... Uh, no, space. I'm, I'm, I'm calling Snake creatures. They were big, horrible snake bastards. Who were ho- who were big, all horrible snake bastards. Big, horrible snake bastards. And uh, and they they were called the Sons of Makuta. And they were sent to to, to kill um, the, uh, the this little lad and his mate. Um, but then the little lad dies. And then it's his mate who becomes the seventh Toa. He puts on the mask. And uh, Masker, he was called the, uh, the, the Toa of Light. Um, and that's basically so that so little did I know that I'd essentially watched Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but basically um, in this different in this different child format. And then I thought, even the Christmas show at Northern Stage, while it's not Lord of the Rings, it had an element of Lord of the Rings too. It's called the Sorcerer's Apprentice, and uh, this version of the Sorcerer's Apprentice had like a little prologue thing where it was like, in the beginning when the world was being formed, the magic was being dished out. Um, you know, to all the places, but then one of them got greedy and uh, and wanted all the magic to themselves, um, and then the magic was lost forever. But now it's it's sort of made itself known again. Is the source of practice Disney? Yes, but Which this is ba- definitely based on Tolkien stuff. Anyway, definitely yeah. based on Tolkien stuff. But th- I'm, what I'm saying is like this version yeah. of Lo- of the Source of Apprentice. Now that I've watched Lord of the Rings, I'm like, holy shit! Every fantasy thing ever see it a lot. <laughs> is based on Lord of the Rings. Like about yeah. Like, um, there was a, a magical thing that even Power Rangers, to some degree, like um, the new the new Power Rangers film. It's like um, uh, like the the last. What was she looking for? She was looking for something, wasn't she? Uh, I can't remember. I didn't watch them once. Anyway, well, it's like the like yeah, that's what I mean. Like the villain that gets defeated. Krispy Kreme donuts or something. Krispy Kreme donuts, yeah. Like it was underneath Krispy Kreme. Uh, so like the 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 villain gets defeated long ago by the old um superhero. A fantasy figure wizardy people uh the the thing gets lost forever the power that the big evil mcgovern thing gets lost forever and then all of a sudden um you know people now in the modern day have to f- have to come across that mcgovern thing and then have to go on a big journey to destroy it or to find it or discover to go on some personal journey it's all based on lord of the rings and i was yeah. like this is this is just that plot it's Most just that high plot fantasy line. stuff will have some talking in it yeah yeah or uh, what's... Who did Lion Witch of Wardrobe? Oh, C.S. Lewis. It's either Lewis or, Lewis or Tolkien, because they were friends together. And oh, like well, <laughs> actually, now that you mention it, yeah, like, there's a lot of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Is in, like, Apart from Lewis's more religious kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, the, the Christian allegories yeah. are, like, rife in, in, like, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, because, like, Aslan is quite clearly Jesus. Yeah, he's very Jesus. Yeah, he's he's very Jesus-y. Um, so it's... um, But, like... Do you know what I mean? It's like you can see the overlaps in those like oh, old yeah. fashioned. That that's where fantasy was kind of being birthed at that time. I mean, have you read Tolkien's books? No, I haven't. I right. can't read. Remember? Oh yes, you can't. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but because I was going to ask you, are they? Is it accurate largely to the books? Um, I think the extended editions are to a degree. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff missed out. There's a couple of characters. Yeah. There's a couple of characters that like missed out because they're just filler and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, I believe that as much as you can get in like a film mm-hmm. they're very very accurate yeah for what i know because because i watched them um, a, a, a video on like the background of uh of, of of lord of the rings and how it was made and things like that and um there was um the, the bloke was saying uh that um the book 
Um, because because obviously it is three books still, isn't yeah. it? Like Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and then uh, the Return of the King. Return of the King, yeah. Yeah. Um, Return of the Jedi. Hey. Um. So <laughs> but like the the whole thing of um, he said the books are almost encyclopedic in terms of its law. Yeah, I think um the Silmarillion book is an encyclopedia basically. It's short stories, but has like yeah. I'm just uh, trying to look now because I know it's probably on the bookcase somewhere. Or the actual books themselves. Oh yeah, my partner have them somewhere. Yeah. Probably buried reading something else, but they'll definitely be there. Well, I can see Harry Potter. Oh yeah, that's like Sasha's like old like (laughs) most loves of books really. No, they'll be there somewhere. Because I know um I did buy my mum the Lord of the Rings for Christmas. Yeah. She thought it was DVDs at first. I was like, that's a book. She's like, oh, you're better. (laughs) She never read them before. Yeah. Um. Well, that's the thing because like he was saying that like Lord of the Rings the books are just like mammoth in terms of like the detail that Tolkien put into um like the world and the law and just everything about it. and apparently a lot of it's based on like Norse mythology as well yeah well i know say the balrog for existence it'll tell you who created it where it came from who created him yeah <laughs> like yeah. all that sort of stuff yeah um and um you know because i know like the elves like they're very clearly those versions of the elves are very clearly based on norse mythology where mm. they're just like um, big stern people with pointy ears and stuff, you know, who like are quite wise or whatever, you know. Yeah. Good with bows and arrows, you know. Good to see Orlando Bloom as well. Yeah. You know. Another good. person who hasn't aged. Another person, <laughs> yep, hasn't aged at all. Um, but like, you know, uh, th- that's one thing that he was saying. He was like the the books um themselves uh like they're massive, and he said like adapting them to the screen would be a mammoth task. And what he said, what Peter Jackson and the screenwriter, who I'm ashamed to say I can't remember his name, um, but what they decided to do was very clever and very appropriate in terms of adaptation, which is actually a good lesson to learn for everyone, is they decided to focus it um, on one... Because apparently it's not fully focused on Frodo in the books, I think. Yeah, I don't believe so. I think they're... Yeah, they're quite sprawling. They make Frodo the main character in the films. Yeah. He's not the main in the book. Yeah. Which everyone's just characters about everyone. Everyone's like, sorry, who goes in together and comes apart. And cool, cool, yeah. So, like, that's what they said, like, in the in the films, making Frodo, like, the protagonist is a really smart and correct decision. Yeah. Because, you know, for film, you do need that one character to, especially for films like this, you need that one character to stick with and to like to be invested in and to follow and because when you when you're watching it with frodo because frodo is just like us he's just an ordinary guy yeah no really. powers no, no special thing about him he's just an ordinary fella who just you know who just gets sucked into this big sprawling adventure and um and you know i think that's what i think that's the film's biggest strengths because you know like i think a lot of us would react in the same way that frodo does um, in a lot of those situations, you know, he's scared for a lot of it. He's yeah. com- he doesn't know really the right thing to do. He doesn't want anyone to get hurt. He's, you know, he's, he's, um, he, you know, he has these people around him for guidance, you know, and it's like you would be in that situation as well. And the fact that you're with him for every step of the way, it just adds to, it's like that Luke's, it's like the Luke Skywalker thing, isn't it? You know, it's like um, Frodo and Luke Skywalker are very similar characters. You know, yeah. they both start off in that position of, um, they're just boys, you know. They're just young men who just actually Frodo's about fifty. He's about fifty. <laughs> well, you know, 
comparatively. Yeah, comparatively yeah, young. Comparatively. Hobbit years, yeah. Comparatively young, I suppose. Gee, I must have missed that bit. Christ. Uh, well, I know about Bilbo Baggins. He Bilbo was 111, 111, yeah. 111, yeah, yeah. God, that's a long time, isn't it? Um, oh, speaking of Bilbo, I'm going to go off topic. Do you like the jump scare with Bilbo? That was... <laughs> That was really unexpected. It's terrifying, isn't it? It was terrifying. <laughs> it is. It's absolutely terrifying. That was the scariest bit of the film. Yep. Like, bloody hell. Every time. <laughs> Every, yeah, it is. It's, I was like, shit, what, what the hell? You know what I mean? Um, but that's... Um, oh, I forgot the actor's name now, but he was uh, Bishop, wasn't he? In Ian Holm. Yeah, Ian Holm. Ian Holm. He's, uh, he's died. Yeah, not too long ago. Yeah, died like two years ago. Yeah. Something like that. Um, they're very, they're, you know, obviously, great actor, though. Oh, yeah. Um... You know, and he, because uh, of course Martin Freeman plays him in The Hobbit, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, in the prequels and stuff like that. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, just that, and that in itself is like that really establishes so well the, because it's just a ring, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a ring at the end of the day. But like, they do such a good job of like establishing. No, this thing is really yeah. fucking terrible. The opening scene kind of gets it, whereas like, oh, yeah. it's lost to get to somewhere else. Something yeah. happened to him. Yeah. Curse yeah, yeah. falls if. Yeah, exactly. There's a curse upon it, and like, and then again, you see Bilbo unnaturally long age. He's 111. He's spry as anything. Then you see him with the elves, and he's just aged. And he's aged. Oh, that's one thing I thought as well. You know, and then that, that, I didn't catch up on that really until because he doesn't have the ring on him, so it's his yeah. life's just draining, <laughs> draining out of him. Yeah, it's um, God, that's just that, that that's another thing as well. Like it, that's the subtle things like that where they do. But there is a thing. The films tone down how long it takes to do stuff, because where. Gandalf finds the ring, fucks off, researches it, and comes back. Yes. That's 17 years in the book. 17 years? Yeah, takes him 17 years to go. Doing research? Yeah. Bloody hell, all sorts, all <laughs> sorts could have happened in that time. Yeah, the, the scale's been knocked down in terms of like time. 17 years? Yeah. God. So if it was like, the same thing, imagine just seeing... You know, you've wizard friend fuck off. Then seventeen years later, he's like, "Is it secret? Is it secret?" You're like, "What the fuck are you that's talking it, about?" Yeah, that's it. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's seventeen years later, right? You know that ring? It's bad, right? You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's a wonder nothing's happened in that. I still love that li- uh, that line of "Hold out your hand." It's quite cool. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I also really like the 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 whole um, the banter between the hobbits who come with yeah. them. You know, and the whole Marion thing Pittman. of them. Um, I mean, having breakfast. We've already had breakfast. I mean, I know we had one breakfast. Second I mean, we're not having a second breakfast. You know, surely he knows about, you know, lunch and dinner and supper and all Afternoon that. Afternoon tea. Afternoon tea, you know. He's like, I don't think he does, you know. And then he just throws them apples. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I thought, yeah, man. And then, and then when the fellowship gets formed. Yeah. And he's like, great. Where are we going? Where are we going? What are we, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> he hasn't a clue what's going on. Oh, it's so funny. Um... I know, it's just like little moments like that I thought were really fun. I think they're always needed in films, especially big films like that. Oh, yeah, yeah you, ne- you need like moments of levity. You know? Yeah, if you don't do levity, you're just, you're in for a slog, you're in for a... Yeah, that, is, that, is that what you've got, is that one of the things that you've got against like Zack Snyder? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they take themselves so seriously. So seriously, it's a fucking, it's a superhero movie. Like, I know, I know that that is true. That that I will give you that because I know that we've um, had a debate about like about his because I'm kind of I've got a soft spot for him. Um, yeah, you but do. I do. Um, but I do appreciate that. I do like. I don't think there's no need to go like full like Marvel style, where every five minutes is a joke. It's like you don't need to do that. But like you, you I think Lord of the Rings 
has a you need a good mix yes and i think lord of the rings does it perfectly because it's it doesn't sacrifice the story it's still a serious yeah you know story that you can get invested in it has drama and plentiful and all that but it does have its moments you need levity just here and there before you get your heart ripped out or yeah exactly (laughs) exactly yeah there's like there's brief moments here and there of like levity you know which i do think are needed um and that's one thing that's i think that's lacking in his films but anyway it's um you know uh, i i i do think because actually i was thinking about this um which is i have heard this comparison made a little bit because when i was watching the snyder cut of um of justice league um because obviously that's four hours long yeah and that's a film that to me doesn't doesn't feel particularly that length um but someone had um made there's been a few comparisons that someone made it's like it's very lord of the rings in its tone and it feels like a lord of the rings film and i didn't know what that meant until, until, watch until i watched lord of the rings really and i was like it does actually yeah there is get it out that was my <laughs> chewbacca impression um there was an element of um you know lord of the rings when i was watching it um that, that now that i know what that means you know because like, again there's a, a again that goes on like a big journey to to find like the, the mother boxes and then you know again not in mount doom but like yeah. on apocalypse or whatever you know um but you know that that's the thing it's like the story really is like quite um you know like it sets the basis for most great things as we were saying there and um i didn't ever feel lost as well that i think that's another thing as well like i'd like to say is i was really worried going into it that i was going to feel um overwhelmed because it does start off with a lot of exposition talking about yeah it does and i'm really thankful for that exposition because i immediately knew what was going on it didn't it didn't go over my head i was just like oh there was like a bunch of people at one point who had rings that granted them like what like wisdom or yeah you know, like, them. all that sort of stuff but um there was and then of course big bad comes around with his ring and then there was a big battle and then everything's fine but not fine because the ring is there and that's another thing as well that about um establishing that the ring is evil there's the whole thing with bilbo baggins yeah um which is quite heartbreaking but also um gollum yeah you know you don't see gollum in this film yeah which i didn't realize you only see his eyes and that's about it you only see his eyes and you see his hands because he gets tortured at some point yeah but like but it's like you know that as itself as well is a genius decision let's not see gollum let's not see what gollum looks like we only hear about what the ring's done to him and yeah. how it's corrupted him and how it's like turned him into um something a little really, creature a little <laughs> creature yeah a little horrible creature and then there's a little, you know, obviously when when he says "my precious," the um when Bilbo Baggins says that, yeah, it's a little hint to what he would become if he kept, kept the ring. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's um, but that's it was just fantastic to see that like that whole thing. It's like, well, yeah, you want more if you want more of evidence that this ring really is bad news. Just look at how it subtly affects the world around you. Yeah, even just Ian McKellen just going, oh fucking hell, no yeah. that ring. Well, every every man who sees it's like yes, take like even like um Sean Bean like um Sean Bean, yeah that you just knew me, yeah yeah you just, you just knew there was gonna be bother with him as soon he? as he sees the ring he's like fuck yes yeah exactly <laughs> he's like he has this look on his face not just when he sees the ring but throughout the film really I mean he's the he's the one film he's the one film he's the one character who when they're having that debate he's like 
you know, we can't, we can't do this. We've got no chance, you know. But bloody hell, shouldn't we be using the ring to, you know? He's like, he's the one who's like in favor of using the ring. Yeah. You know, and even though like you know he has his, you know, his redeeming kind of like moment at the at, like the end of during that like final battle thing, yeah. you knew he was gonna die. You knew he was. It's gonna... Sean Bean. He's in a film. Sean Bean <laughs> always dies in a film. Yeah, he? thereabouts. Yeah. yeah, um, and and it was just. You know, I, I, that's another thing as well. I loved the 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 development of the characters because it's like Gandalf. Um, for a start, he isn't like he's quite unsure of things at some point. You know, he's I mean, yes, he's wise and you know he's powerful and that whole thing. But like he's still like he still has these moments where like even he's unsure of what to do. You know, yeah. he's like, you know, he doesn't want to put Frodo in danger and um and bloody um even when he's fighting Christopher Lee. You know, I mean, he gets his ass kicked. But, like, he puts up a good fight, though. Yeah. I mean, like, seeing them two fight, wizard wizard on wizard. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he does the youngest young spin. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, what the hell was that about? It was, um, it was, that was, again, another fight scene for 20 years old. It still holds up. Yeah. You know? And also, and like, as well, the practical effects, like, um, Peter Jackson loves his gross-out um, imagery, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Yeah. You can tell by, like, the orcs and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. Later yeah. on, there's another orc that's in. There's like kind of, I think backstory's got burned or something. So he looks like um like all puffed up and like kind of like things like tougher hair coming out of him a bit. Yeah, he's all messed Faces up. Faces half melted and stuff like that. God, yeah. And he loves yeah violence though. So much like <laughs> he loves it. And and when you know when they're, they're doing the whole fight like the fight sequences and stuff like they they really go to town. Yeah. And I thought it was fantastic. And I loved as well the riders in black. Yeah. How they were actual people, like in actual robes. Yeah. Actual swords, actual hands. <laughs> you know, I'm glad they weren't because the soul could have easily done CGI and you know and but the, but they were, they were real. You know, there were real blokes in real robes, but there wasn't any mist coming off yeah. them. There wasn't any like accents or whatever. I think the only CGI they would have done with that is just to block out the faces, which is in black and black, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I know what you mean. They're not like animated. The only time you see them is when he puts the ring on. They have like the all creakly and yes, yes, yes. Yeah, what they used to look like. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was cool because I loved that, and um, and Aragon's story as well is like quite poignant because he doesn't want anything to do with it, yeah. does he? Really, like he he, he you know, because it's his his responsibility to become like the next king, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing Return of the King is. In well, I mean, the title might give it away a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing it's in reference to him. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but like, you know, you can tell that there's like it's not just Frodo's story, it's yeah. His story as well, you know. I think secondary characters to like big story, it's probably Aragorn throughout the entire film. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it this is his thing of like accepting his responsibility. And um, you know, cuz he just wants I think he just wants to have a nice life with Liv Tyler. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, like go off and do elf on man things. Yeah. You know, as as everybody surely does in their own way. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's the dream. <laughs> it is the dream. It is the dream. You know, it's you know, it's it's the one thing I I constantly hope for in life. <laughs> no, um, but that that's the one thing I really enjoyed as well. I loved, I loved seeing the doubts, but like, but he still, you know, he still does it because he knows it's the right thing to do, even yeah. though he doesn't really want anything to do. So with when it. he gets offered, he's like, "I will come with you." She's like, "No, nah, you just got to keep it." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she kn- she she knew yeah. that like this is not, you know, this is this is not our destiny. Yeah. Your destiny is to become a king, you know, and it, that that's really heartbreaking as well, you know, because like, 
you know, all this shit's going down and no one can just be where they want to be and just be with who they want to be with. This is why war is hell. <laughs> you know, it's, a, you know, I mean, was it, was, do you know if it was a big allegory for something that Tolkien wrote? Or was it? Don't know, because it was, I mean, he fought in World War One. I. I think he wrote it after World War One. Wow. So, like, he could have had some experience with war as hell, just like. I mean, yeah, I mean, you do get that. I mean, because when you when you when Gandalf and Sean Bean's death, it's like you know, it's um, it 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 hits you, you know, and and I read somewhere as well that the uh, the the inclusion of that other orc fella, yeah, he's not in the book. He's just invented to to just to be a physical presence because yeah, it's like not many antagonists apart from the big bad. Yeah, because like because because I think somewhere they were saying like because um they were concerned that because um uh Sauron is dead. Yeah. still really and also he's at this point he's he's not really dead but he is dead he's like he's, he's just this big fiery eye he's just yeah his spirit he's a spirit eye, which yeah. isn't really a physical threat uh, but and also saruman is confined to his tower yeah you know so he you know he's also not a threat either so they had to put in like this this couple of more just a couple of more few. yeah exactly so they put in this particular orc who was particularly bastardry <laughs> full of full of bastardry you know um to sort of be that physical presence in there you know which i thought was again a really smart decision um i it did go on a bit yeah but that's because it extended really yeah <laughs> and i and i do think that well that's yeah that will probably be down to like the the, the fact that it was the extended edition but i just thought because the first half like the first hour 45 or 48 yeah of the squad um it didn't feel that long really it you know i f- it, it went i think i felt it went at a good pace it you know i was invested where does it end on that disc again um it ends just after they form the fellowship right yeah 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 um and then it continues on the disc too um but like it, it was just um i was thinking oh good and then i put on disc two expecting it to be like another hour or something no, it was another two hours, <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Like, I've got." It's like watching another film, basically. Um, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And then, so it was going on, it was going on, and then I think that's when the film started to lull a bit for me. Mm. You know, it it started to like not. I mean, stuff was happening, but it was just we're going on a journey, and we almost died, but we didn't die. Let's fight some more things, and then you know they did, and then obviously when Gandalf goes. That's a big moment. Yeah. You know, and it's um and but then after that there's a bit I feel like it lulls a bit more, you know, and it's um I was I was thinking to myself, Oh come on, let's you know, let let's let's pick up the pace here, let, let's keep going. Um and I don't know if that was just me. Um but I don't know, how do you feel about that? I mean, playing it in my head a bit, trying to think like where the film goes, because it's been a little while since we've seen it. Mm. So no, I should really research this with you, but <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it that many times. Um, I don't know. I can see what you mean, like, it seems a bit odd, like, thinking of a film where, oh, they'll go up the mountain. Oh, no, not the mountain. We'll just go down the mine and, like... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but, um, I think it's kind of... I don't know, it felt, it felt necessary for the film, but I know what you mean being dragging along, but that, I think that entire sequence, I think all that's in the individual film. Is it really? Yeah. Right. Because I think when they formed the Fellowship, I think it's, like, 45, 50 minutes into the original. Well, that's... <laughs> see, that's... I think most of the yeah, extended stuff comes from like in the in start the, of it. In really? Does it really? Yeah. That's mad. If I'm thinking correctly, anyway. 
Because for me... That I know when they meet the elves, there's a couple more scenes that aren't enough to remember the elves. Right. Because for me, it was um, that that was the bit that didn't drag for me. I mean, mm. the bit that did drag was the bit when they when they're actually moving themselves. And I don't know if that's just because I was like, I wanna, I wanna see what happens next in the story. Yeah. You know, because like the story kind of came to a halt for me during these bits. And like it was, I mean, don't get me wrong, the action sequences were cool. Thought they were fantastic. But I was just, I just felt myself going, all right, come on, let's, let's <laughs> see what's going on. The ending, very poignant. Oh, yeah. Because, um, I mean, f- r- remind me as well, it's like, because Frodo decides to go by himself. Frodo goes by himself, Sam chases him, and like, if you're going by yourself, we'll come with you. Mm. Um, yeah, so he rescues him, he's like, I'm not leaving you. Because mm-hmm. he, he told you, he made a promise that he wouldn't. Yeah. So they fuck off over the other side of the water, getting yeah. close to the Mordor. Is it, cause, is it because Frodo doesn't want to endanger anyone else? Yeah. Right. Okay. And I think because well, he's got the ring on him, he's being tracked. Of course. Yeah. So, so he's a danger to everyone else. Yeah. Basically. And then if he's with people, people get tempted. Of course. Yeah, I'm that's true. He thought it was going to happen with Aragorn, but he's, again, he offers the ring to Aragorn. He's like, will you take it? He's like, no, you. No. It's your. Yeah, exactly. He's probably the only one man, I think, in this entire lot that like sees the ring and doesn't go yeah yeah <laughs> he, like he, do, he refuses the temptation of it yeah. yeah i think sam's in love with him oh yeah sam loves frodo like i mean there's the joke of like um what's that movie about two gay guys that go up a mountain broke back mountain no lord of the rings <laughs> <laughs> genuinely yeah and like the way it's been written is a genuine genuine love for him yeah there is like yeah you can see mm-hmm. yeah like maybe romantic, even like just mutual. There is a genuine love for that. I like, uh, seriously, I I think you it's could a, play it either way. You could, and yeah. and for me, when I was watching, I was like, this is a genuine romance. Yeah. Because it's um, you know, no one, you wouldn't because he, he can't swim. Yeah. You know, why would you sacrifice like almost like kill yourself for for unless you desperately love that person? And, yeah. You know, <laughs> then Frodo gets him, and then the two of them go off. The I'm like, yeah, that's a lovely moment. That's a you know, a, a, a brotherly, like, love, like, yeah, there, and even a romantic love, yeah. you know. Like I said, you can read it either way. You could. The entire lot of film is either a romantic love or a genuine just... Yeah, and, and I think... Yeah, exactly, and I think that's a really appropriate, you know, like, I mean, because that's the thing, it's like, out of out of these hellish situations where we're going on, like, a, a perilous journey, you know, to, to cure the world of evil, yeah. you know, what's the one thing that drives you forward? It's the power of love, as Huey Lewis in the news once said. Yeah. You know, and it's... um. And it is. It's like it's love that carries us forward. And of course, the fellowship, like the three. I really thought that was really cool at the end when it's like, um, when it's Legolas, Gimli, and uh, Aragon, the three of them together. But like the three, um, the, the three different races. Yeah. You know, I thought that was really cool. Um, and they, uh, and and with them, they decided to carry on. Still, didn't they all? They're going to get the hobbits. They're they going to get the hobbits. Merry and Pippin. That's where they're going. Cause right. They're okay. <coughs> they're going to get the the reinforcements or something. Yeah. Like. Well, they're. Merry and Pippin got carried off there because the oh, orcs, they yes. and they're like, we need to get them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're still kind of making the way towards it, but separate parts. Right, cool, yeah. That's cool. And that sort of sets the basis, obviously, for the second film. Yeah, like, it's uh, split off into, like, three, uh, I would have said three storylines yeah. in the second film. So it's like, Merry and Pippin for a bit, mm-hmm. then Aragorn and Friends, and then... Aragorn and Friends. <laughs> And yeah. then Frodo and uh, Sam, mm-hmm. they'll just keep on going between scenes and yeah, 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 like that. That um, 
triad of uh, journeys and stuff. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was, uh, and I, I thought that was really cool. Um. And again, you know, um, one thing I did really love, and this is a testament to physical media. Um, I d- haven't watched the special features, but it was enough for me to realize that this, because that, uh, just for context, Lee gave me the uh, the special extended edition yes, DVD to uh, to watch Lord of the Rings, uh, Fellowship of the Ring on. And of course, as we as we established in there, that the uh, are you looking for it? Yeah, I don't know. Why yeah, I <laughs> sorry, Lee, this room. Just Lee um, is surveying the room trying to find it. Um, yeah. But regardless. Um, when I looked at the, obviously I knew it was on two different discs. Yeah. Um, but I also saw that it was um, there was two additional discs full of special features. Yeah, it's about ten hours or something like that. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this was like true value for money for physical media. You know, of like two discs worth of special features and how they made these films, and I think that is wonderfully wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's wonderfully a wonderful. wonderful. It's a you know because it, it's a it's a privilege to be able to see how how these films are made you know and it's like and we don't get that anymore yeah we don't get you know value for money in physical media anymore you know and it's um you know but you don't get access to that stuff um like through netflix or through netflix or or, or streaming services or anything like that you know it's just the con it's just the product and that's it yeah you know disney's getting good for that disney have quite a few backstory about stuff but it's mostly the marvel stuff but like like behind the scenes yeah. stuff, yeah. I mean, I did find out recently there's a fucking, there's a documentary on Japanese Spider-Man on uh, Disney. Oh, is there? Yeah. Oh, that's tremendous. It's um, I think it's like Disney. It's like Marvel Seven One Three. I think it's called. That's the really first cool. episode is about Japanese Spider-Man. Yeah, that's really cool. Like, I never thought they would reference Japanese Spider-Man ever because who knows about Japanese Spider-Man ex- apart ex- from like yeah, exactly stupid memes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and it's um, Got and a DVD somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like you know wh- where is you know because i remember back in the day when you would get like even standard edition like special edition dvds you would get like say for example you would get um uh spider-man 2 or and spider-man 3 on dvd right yeah and you would have the the bonus disc yeah full full of special features and it would be several documentaries on how they made the film in different how they did this one scene that's like 50 minutes long literally <laughs> it's like how we did this uh the train sequence yeah how we made the film in general um a music video for the song that was released in conjunction with the uh the, the, and the film by snow patrol that a hero can, can save, save us, us. That was, um, gonna stand Jack Kroger. Was yeah from two, wasn't it yeah uh 2000 2002 yeah it, was and it sounds one. it sounds like the early 2000s doesn't it and they're watching us they're watching us. <laughs> it's fantastic oh god you hear it's it. such a cheesy song I it is it. you know <laughs> and it's like oh it's just tremendous anyway um but like that's the thing you would get so much stuff you get interviews with yeah. cast members you would get um you know like little vignettes on like uh, blooper reels you yeah. know like so much reels. stuff yeah like but they did it for um th- even um star wars um episode one the phantom menace oh yeah the that uh, have you seen the documentary that i'm talking about i know which one you mean i've been trained mean to watch it yeah watch it it is one of the best documentaries i've ever seen because right it's so um telling it's just un unfiltered this is what it was like making that film and it it's so because there's no voiceover there's no um it, it doesn't cut back to interviews there's no like narrative constructed it's just, it's just the footage it's just here's footage of george lucas 
in his house in Skywalker Ranch in 1994. And he goes, all right, today is the first day of uh, riding the Phantom Menace. Uh, I just need an idea. I've got my paper and my pencils. He's, he's writing the script on a pen. He's, he's pencil writing the script. Is that mad? That is mad. It's mental. And he's sitting there going, I just need an idea. And then like, and then he's just, and then you just see him writing. Um, but that documentary is amazing. Genuinely amazing because it goes right from that first day of him writing the script in 1994. Right up until the Premier? first, right up, yeah, literally right up until the premiere in 1999. Um, and that's and but it goes through as I say it goes through the entire process it shows you the whole process of um, is that the one you're talking about where they're like the editing and so that guy's just like yeah yeah that's what I mean like that's what I mean because when it when it's like um, you see in subtitles um, uh, George and George and the crew uh, the head of departments are watching the first rough cut of the Phantom Menace and you see them just baffled by it do you know what <laughs> i mean like they're because ed- like they're talking about i mean to be honest with you <laughs> it's no different to what we were like at university <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like some I, of our edits we sat and just stared at like what the fuck do we what do we do you know but it's like but i think though in each defense i think it's like that for every process of making a film mm. it's every every film's like that you see them watching the rough cut and the editor is trying to explain no this is why i did that, yeah, that's exactly what it was in uni. Yeah. Me trying to explain how I like heads a year and stuff like, okay, this is why I did this. Yeah, literally. And the <laughs> editor's trying to explain why specifically because you know at the end of Phantom Menace when it's um uh, it goes it goes between four different battles. Yeah. Um it goes between uh, the Jedi and the Sith fighting um the raid with um Padme jo- Amidala. Yeah. Uh the space battle and, and then Jar-Jar. the go- and then Jar Jar's battle. Which um, Avengers Endgame totally ripped off. Yeah, totally <laughs> ripped off. Um, and the, but the uh, the uh, um, the editor is trying to explain how jumping from those three, dif- four different um, scenes, which all have drastically different tones. Yeah. He said you've got. He said it doesn't really work when you're switching from really serious life or death situation with Obi Wan and Darth Maul to. Um, slightly adventure-y thing with Anakin and then full-on comedic battle with Jar Jar. Yeah. It's just so jarring. And it's he so said, Jar Jar. Yeah, literally <laughs> so Jar Jar. And he said, like, it's just, it's hard to make that work. And then George Lucas was like, um, you see, once you put it in there, you can't really take it out because it kind of depends on the next scene. He went, I may have gone too far in a few places. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then it cuts to the producer who's just sat with his hand in his mouth because he can't believe it, you know? And then they try and, like, um, justify it a little bit later on by saying, like, well, it's bold. It's meant to be that way. You know, it's like he's trying to justify it. And then he says, like, we'll never be Titanic. <laughs> you know, Titanic was the biggest movie ever, and that made the most money ever. And, like, we, we, we just can't beat that. We've got no hope of doing that. You know, and um, – but watch it. Just yeah. watch the full thing. But Might point on the DVDs. I've got actually – But it, that's the point I'm making. Yeah. If with the, the special edition Star Wars Phantom Menace, actually, and Episode 2 and Episode 3 – all of them came with documentaries on yeah. how they made the entire film. Like, the whole process from start to finish. Why is that today? You know, it's yeah. like, because when I got the Snyder Cut, again, to reference it, on um, on um, on uh, on Blu-ray, that comes in two discs as well, yeah. because the film's like four hours long. So it's like the first half on one disc and then the second half on the other disc. And okay, it, cause surely Blu-ray can hold. <laughs> apparently not. Apparently, Zack Snyder just wanted to do it old school, you know. Um, but 
that comes with a documentary, I think, on how. But it's again, it's only like forty-five minutes, I think, and it yeah. like, and it's just the process. It's just Zack Snyder saying like, um, "Oh, this belongs to the fans, and this is the fans' process of how this movie got made." And yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, then it's just like, the, then it's just cast members just saying how good Zack Snyder is, and you know, like how he's a bold visionary, and like, um, yeah, that's great. Let's talk about how you made the film. Yeah. You know, let's look at the you know the footage of you know conversations between actor and cast members or you know because they even did that with um the first x-men film yeah again there was a documentary on like again very similar to i think mid i think 2000 like yep let's just give everyone let's give everyone (laughs) value for money and let's show them the process of making a film and i loved that so much you know um i think the last actually to be fair they kind of did that with watchmen Mm. um uh, you know and they did that with um Oh goodness me! Uh, well, they they kind of did that with Dark Knight, kind of. You I know. remember I've got two. I had a two disc special of Dark Knight, so yeah, I've probably had a lot of. Yeah, but even the menus, even the even the menu on the DVD, like you can tell there was effort put in. I love like. interactive menus. Star Wars had some great ones. They did, they <laughs> did, they really did. Um, y- y- you know, but it's just where is that where's that care yeah you know it's like because people because i don't know if it's like people going like, oh no one bothers but no people really like that stuff you know it's because uh, it, it gives you something else to look look into yeah and i think so trying to phase out i say phase out physical media physical media is always going to be a thing somewhere but well it will be yeah you know but it's like it's a silly idea it's a silly idea because once because if you don't have physical media if something is taken off, off, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, exactly. And you've and you've and you don't have it anymore. But if you have if you have it physically and you have something to play it on, you've got it forever. Yeah, you know. Until that fucks up, yeah. Until that fucks up, exactly. It's like um, you know, it's why I've still got my PS3. I don't have a PS4 or a PS5. <laughs> I, I sort of gave up on gaming a little bit, but I'll still always keep my PS3 purely because I know it plays Blu-rays. Yeah, and I'll always have that. I'll always be able to watch movies now because un- un- until that dies one day but like um to be fair when the ps3 came out it was probably the cheapest blu-ray player you could get at the time yeah <laughs> probably yeah absolutely and it's um you know it's it's uh, obviously i haven't watched those but i know that right there there's two discs worth of special features on there yeah of documentaries on how they made this this sprawling epic of a movie and i think that's wonderful because it just adds something else to the experience you know and um, I think it's a real shame that that is kind of being lost a little bit. Yeah. And but then again, though, um, the Beatles get back, um, which I know that Peter Jackson made a full. And again, that's that's nine hours in total. Um, and I used your Disney Plus to watch it. Yeah. Therefore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I um I I watched the whole thing, and it's wonderful. You know, and that's I think the closest thing we got to a behind-the-scenes documentary of just being a fly on the wall in the process of making something creatively, and it's marvelous, you know. And and we're losing that, yeah. you know. I and in some ways, I really wish we documented us making Rebel Rebel, <laughs> you know, making our dissertation film, or making any other film. You know, it's like the whole behind-the-scenes thing is so. It's just incredible, you know, and it just it just adds another level of wonder and hope to filmmakers, young filmmakers, I think, as well. That like, if you understand how to do something, then you can do it as well. Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, we um, pulled off a movie. Well, I was a 15-minute movie. We pulled off a movie. We did, yeah. But it, w- it, it felt like we were shooting a feature. Yeah. You know, it... it, it edited like we were doing a feature. It, God, it was, wasn't it? Oh, my <laughs> goodness me. Like, tomorrow I'm going to be starting um, properly editing this this new film that we shot yeah um uh this new short film that we shot which i directed and wrote and you did the uh the sound, sound for um well i'm going over to uh, our producer will smith's house tomorrow to uh to, to start the proper edit for it you know so we can hopefully enter that in the festivals and do whatever we can with it but that's going to be a long and arduous process yep you know and there's probably going to be many moments where i feel like it can't be saved but that happens. but it happens, you know, and um, but that's what I mean. That if only someone would film a bit of it, you know, <laughs> and just be like, and just watch how entertaining it is, just to, to see, see you break down. I mean, it's always <laughs> fun to see you break down. <laughs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. It's uh, just uh, that's what I mean, though. It's like everybody breaks down, you know. Everybody like has those. It's like the the um, apocalypse now, hearts of darkness. Mm. That documentary on how they made apocalypse now. Francis Ford Coppola was going to kill himself. Because the film was massively over budget, um, they were they were shooting for over a year in the Philippines. <sighs> Can you imagine? No, it's been um, a year away for a year just shooting this movie, which he had no idea. He honestly said, "I'm going to tell you right now, this movie, the movie's not going to be any good," because they were still writing parts of it as, as they were shooting, yeah. as they were filming it. Is that mad? Yeah. I mean, like, oh, God, I couldn't I imagine. Just imagine being active. Like, okay, I've learned my line. Okay, this is this. This, this is, is it, yeah. New well, bit. Marlon Brando was brought onto that movie um, to play Colonel Kurtz, obviously, as we know. Um, uh, and he said that um, Colonel Kurtz, uh, well, Marlon Brando arrived. Um, he said, yes, I'll do the film. I'll do it for you. But I want a million dollars a week. And he was there for three weeks. Um, and... Uh, and of course, Francis Ford Coppola couldn't get studio funding. They wouldn't fund Apocalypse Now, so he funded it himself, um, because the two Godfather films had made him a multimillionaire. Yeah. Um, because of the raucous success that the Godfather films had, um, similar to Lord of the Rings actually in the Oscars, um, and uh, y- you know, so he put a second mortgage on his house and his winery, um, to fund this film. Um, so he was um, paying Brando a million dollars a week um, and uh, so Brando promised that he would know the script, he'll have read the book Heart of Darkness which Apocalypse Now is based on um, and that he would be in shape he arrived on set overweight not knowing any of the lines and he hadn't read Heart of Darkness <laughs> And he was also suggesting that Colonel Kurtz should not be called Kurtz. I don't like the na- I don't like the name Kurtz. It should be, it should be something more, 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 more uh, uh, soft on the ear, like Laylee. His name should sound like it's flying in the wind, so we should call him Laylee. He wanted to be called Colonel Laylee. So if you look at Apocalypse Now, there's certain shots where they'd shot it under the pretense that they were going to be calling him Colonel Laylee. So when Martin Sheen is up saying, can we talk to Colonel Kurtz when they arrive at the compound, if you look at his lips very carefully, he says Laley. He says Laley, but they overdubbed it so well that <laughs> he says Kurtz because later on, and there's also another bit where Dennis Hopper goes, up there, Colonel Kurtz, but he's saying Laley with his lips because um, he sat with Marlon Brando, Frank Coppola sat with Marlon Brando for a week talking about the character for a week. They didn't shoot for a week. And everyone was pissed off. And he got paid a million for that. And he got paid a million <laughs> for it. And uh, and Brando was like, uh, well, Coppola was like, the 
bitch, son of a bitch, I know what he's doing. He's, he's delaying this film so he gets more money. So, you know what I mean? And he, and he thought, oh, you fucking bastard. So, they were talking about the character for a week. Uh, and he eventually, um, he, uh, he came back the next day. Well, he was saying, I think Kurt should look like, he should have a bald head. He should, like, he should look like skeletal and, like, you know, like death, you know? And, and, and um, Brando was like, no, 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 it won't work. So, he leaves, comes back the next day with a shaved head. And he said, Brando, I thought you said, Marlon, I thought you said it wouldn't work. He said, well, you know, and I, I said to you that I read the book. I never read it. <laughs> I re- but I read it last night. And uh, and obviously, you know, he's described as having a skull-like head in the book. And I think that'll work. And I think we should call him Kurtz. <laughs> you know? So then they so went back to calling him Kurtz. But all the dialogue in the film with Brando was improvised. <laughs> and the irritating thing about Marlon Brando is he's a bad bloke. He's yeah. an absolute bastard of a man. I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. Absolute bastard of a man. But genuinely one of the greatest actors ever because you watch him in apocalypse now and he's phenomenal he's genuinely phenomenal and because he just gets acting you know what i mean and it's like it was the same thing in the, in the godfather never learned these lines so you know if you've seen godfather one there's a bit in the garden where he's doing this you know he's, he's acting and he's and he's looking off into the he, he's periodically looking off every now and then because someone's holding up boards with his dialogue on <laughs> genuinely he, he was just he was reading the dialogue and and he thought like oh it's because it's spontaneous it, it, prov- it you know you'll, you'll do something new every time when he's like when he's yeah. reading it it's it's new and fresh it's alive in his mind no it's a lazy actor can't be bothered to learn his lines yeah you know and you know and and, and when Coppola was talking about this with martin sheen in a wonderful video actually about apocalypse now and he was saying i've just realized i've gone on another tangent yeah. about apocalypse now <laughs> um my friend john extended edition <laughs> He said, um, you know, Brando hated talking about acting because he just, he didn't say, he didn't think of it as a big deal. He didn't, you know, he just got it and he just yeah. did it, you know. And um, and I thought that's so fascinating, isn't it? That like some actors like put such emphasis on, you know, the, the, the craft and the method of acting. But Brando just didn't think of it as a hardship or a big deal. He just sort of did it. You know? Same with any craft as well. One person, like probably a few musicians were like, yeah, it's fine. People learn for years, like chords and <laughs> literally yeah and um but but so much so that he downplayed acting as a profession yeah and uh, and someone asked him that and i think larry king asked him he said uh why do you why do you downplay acting as a profession and he was like uh well because acting is the one job that pays you a lot of money while it is you figure out what it is you really want to do <laughs> you know what i mean i thought you bastard you know what i mean but like um but the point i'm making is i was able to tell you all about that because of a documentary yeah <laughs> because of special features because of you know added content that we're lacking right now and thankfully there's out there's 10 hours of lord of the rings fellowship of the ring that i will be able to tell you how they made it yeah because i'll have watched the 10 hours plus of special features and how they made this wonderful film you know but that's you know that, that that's the, that's the thing it's sad isn't it you know yeah it's um, a bit it, it helps for again up and coming filmmakers like us. It does, it does exactly. It, like you know, because that's how you learn, you know. And it's it's not boring and it's not you know out of reach. It's interesting and it's exciting, you know. It's like going on a quest to Mount Doom. Yeah. To to destroy a ring that's evil. To see know? how false perspective works. And to see how false perspective works exactly. Um, but but yeah, I I I I did really enjoy it. 
you know, I, I it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. And I think what it was was the stuff. I'm, I'm still not a huge fantasy fan. Yeah. Um, you know, because like elves and well, having said that, I love Norse mythology and I love Greek mythology, but I don't think that's that's like that's like historical like legend, really, isn't it? In a sense, it's yeah. not really fantasy, is it? Really, to some degree, kind of. I mean, yeah. Don't think Minotaurs existed, really. No, they didn't. But um, <laughs> but but it's um, I like folklore stuff, and yeah. and and I like. I mean, that's why I like like Viking stuff, um, Viking like Norse mythology a lot. Yeah. That's the thing. It's mythology, you know. It's. And I think this film does a good look of like this is their folklore and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah, absolutely. It is like watching a big folklore thing come to life. So in that sense, yeah, still not as I say, still not a massive fantasy fan, but I am glad I watched it. And I think what got me was the story, mm. because it was very easy to follow. I wasn't overwhelmed at any point. The law didn't get in the way. Yeah, I thought the law was very easy to follow, actually, and quite accessible to understand. And I think that is one thing that the film that Peter Jackson did very well. I think he understood that a lot of people who watch this film won't be familiar with the books, they won't be familiar with the law, and they may not even be massive fantasy geeks. Yeah. So what he did was he made sure it worked as a film yeah. and as a story. And that's what really came through for me, and that's what I really appreciated. You know. I'm glad you enjoyed Means my partner's not going to kick you out of the house and not like Lord no, of the Rings. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly. No, 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 favorite no. film. No, no, no. Uh, favorite film ever. Oh yeah, I, I think Sasha would say that's probably her favorite film. Favorite oh series. wow, she's watched it so many times, more than me. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Is it like? Uh, does she like the first one the most? Or I don't know. I'll have to ask her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But uh. But yeah. Are you going to ask me the question? Do you want to watch the second one? Do I want to watch the second one? Um, yes. Should we do it for next week? Uh, go on, then. Yeah! Makes me not have to think. Cool. Oh, and then after God. that, I'll put all three of them together as one big extended edition podcast. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, God. Strap yourselves in for that. Oh, I can't wait. So, yeah, I'm very very excited to see what you think of the second one. And yeah. Um, it's probably going to be short on this one, because I think we've talked most about Lost. <laughs> we, we had, yes. Um, But no, no, I'm happy to do that. Yes, yeah, I'll, I'm I'll watch... Uh, if uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll watch Two Towers. Why not? Because I do want to know what happens. Yeah, you know, I am, I am. May as well do it for this. May as well, exactly. Get some content out of it while you're watching. That is true. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, um, Two Towers. I'll give that a go. Mint. That's yeah. gonna be next week. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think, I think Two Towers is my favorite out of the three of them. Is it really? Yeah. Well, I mean, often, sometimes, if you're doing a trilogy, sometimes people say that the middle one is often the best one. I always tend to think the middle ones are sometimes the weaker one. Do you so think? I think sometimes middle ones tend to bridge between second and third. Well, it can be a, a weak one in things. Maybe. I mean, it's... It didn't work for Star Wars. I thought it was going to work for Star Wars. It, it didn't work for it Star Wars. D- w- in, what, in what respect? Well, everyone slated... Um, fuck, what was the second one called? Let's the eighth. Eighth one called? Oh, it's, oh, Last Jedi. Was The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi, yeah. Yeah, because are we talking about the sequel trilogy then? Yes, yeah, sequel trilogy. Right. Well, okay. A lot of people hated the I second one. I didn't loved the second one. I d- I didn't hear this, but I was like, okay, I can see why people didn't like it. It was like it's a middle one, leave it till the next one, Jesus. and then the next one was kind of bad. Well, the thing is, because <laughs> the chickened out, that's why. Yeah. Because the thing is, it's like right. I'm I'm gonna make I'm gonna give a, bit, a hot take here, as the youth like to say. Mm. Um, hot take, John. Hot take, John. 
Last Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi is one of the best Star Wars films made. Right? Very it's, hot take. Spicy hot. Yeah, take. it is. It's arguably maybe the it's because my favorite Star Wars film is The Empire Strikes Back. It's oh, the best one. Yeah, it is the best. It one. is. It is objectively <laughs> the best Star Wars film. Yeah. Um, the second one, the second best Star Wars film, maybe, maybe Return of the Jedi, maybe the first one. I'm not sure. I know. I quite like Rogue One. I know you're not. A f- Are we talking just episodic Star Wars? Episodic, okay. If we're talking episodic, then yeah, I would say yeah, Jedi. Maybe Return of the Jedi. I honestly think, honestly, and I'm not afraid to say this. I don't care who, how many people I piss off. Um, The Last Jedi is probably the third best Star Wars film. Because it's the only one in recent memory since the prequels that dares to do something different. I get what you mean. It goes off in its own direction. It totally defies expectations, but it does it in interesting ways. I honestly think that is the case. Because, of course, Luke would be a hermit and not wanting to have anything to do with anything, right? Of course, he's has he has doubts about himself. And the fact that he appears at the end projecting himself as what people needed him to be is a symbol of hope as Luke the legend because he says like what what they, they expect me to turn up and face down the, the first order with a light with a laser sword that's exactly what he does yeah. but he does it because he knows that that's what that's what Ray was trying to tell him she was like well yeah that's what we want you to do because we need you to do that because maybe that's what people need they need a bit of hope you know that 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 we need a new hope we need a new hope <laughs> and that's exactly what he does he turns up as an unstoppable force of nature and everyone's pissed off that he didn't actually appear. No, that's better because he used the force in a way that we'd never seen before. You know, he truly used the force in a way that a Jedi is meant I to remember, use the force. I remember Ryan Johnson on Twitter around about that time. Mm-hmm. He was getting a lot of hate. For he was the getting film. so much hate. But um, he went, oh, what's this? And picked up his Star Wars law book. Yeah. And <laughs> flipped it over to the force projection what he did he's like mm-hmm. oh look at that oh look it's canon <laughs> yeah but who gives a shit you know what i mean it's like and this is the thing about the fan base it's like the if you ask someone why the, I'm, I'm aware that we're going way over here but, oh god yeah it's fine. um the 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 last jedi the the main reason why i think people have have issues with it is because okay they might not think it's a good story and that's fair enough yeah a lot of them are nitpicking saying like you, how well? How come like uh, Mary, like um, Mary Poppins? How come like um, Princess Leia flew through the air like Mary Poppins? Oh my God! They killed Admiral Akbar. Oh, it's it's big feminist propaganda. It's um, you know, it's. I give them the Akbar one though. Okay, yeah, they killed. They unceremoniously killed Akbar. Yeah. Um, but that's what happens in Wally. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, um, <laughs> who was Snoke? We never knew. We never knew who Snoke was. Who gives a fuck? He's just another villain. He's not. He's not important. You know, it's like, what, do you want a Wikipedia page for every character? It's like, is that what you want? I mean, that's what they did for the third film, didn't they? Well, yeah. There was some law that you had to understand if you looked through Wikipedia. True, <laughs> but it's like, but it's like, do you not think... Or if you played Fortnite, you would know that. <laughs> <laughs> that was some bullshit. Oh, absolute bullshit. Best line in that film was, somehow the Emperor's appeared Somehow again. the Emperor's appeared. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like, fuck off. And I've got plenty to say about that third film, but, you know, it's because, like, and then Luke is like, no, yeah, we're going to destroy the Jedi. We're gonna like because the Jedi are terrible. Yeah. Like you know, and, he, and he's absolutely right. He's like, yes, tear it down, tear it all down because it's terrible. You know, and then but that's what fans were like. Oh, they killed Han Solo. Oh, they they you know like um, which just oh, it doesn't matter about Luke. They destroy. Like I'm like, no. What do you want? A nostalgia fest, or do you want something new? You know, both. 
We want ah, both. Fuck off, man. We want both. Well, no feminist propaganda. Oh, bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like if you want that, then watch the old films. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like they're not going to go anywhere. You know, they're not going to go anywhere. They're not ruined, quote unquote. Same by thing anything. with Ghostbusters. It's ridiculous. It's like you know. I mean, I mean, well, I mean, the reboot's not good. It's it's just a bad I film. Are we, which one? Are we talking about the old girl one or the new one? Well, the, the old one. girl one isn't good. Not because it's got women in it, obviously. It's bad because it's a badly written film. Yeah, everyone's written like an arsehole. Every single character's an arsehole. I noticed that. Yeah, it's, it's like... It's, yeah, everyone's mean. It's just bad because Apart it's bad. Bimbo, himbo, um... Fucking, what's he called? Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth, yeah, <laughs> He's yeah, the only exactly. person who's not a dick, but he's yeah. just a bimbo, himbo. It's got nothing to do... With, it's like the same thing with Doctor Who at the minute. It's like, it's got... It's 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 not... It's it's bad because it's bad. Yeah. It's got nothing to do with the fact that Jodie Whittaker's a woman. I really like her as a doctor. I don't. I, again, I liked Peter Capaldi a lot, but I thought his stuff was written terribly. Right, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, Matt, I think Stephen Moffat at some points forgot that it was Doctor Who and not like, he's not writing. Jekyll again. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's not writing Sherlock or Jekyll or like some new. It's like everything's got to be really complicated and yeah. weird and clever and stuff. It's My like, boss. no, just just calm down. You know what I mean? But no, Jodie, Jodie, Jodie Whittaker, and I think it's a combination. I think Jodie Whittaker is an excellent actress. Mm. She's not the Doctor. She has no idea how to make this character her own. And I think that's a combination of lack of direction, and no writing. fresh ideas, and the writing. Joe Martin, the, um, the, uh, the other female Doctor who appeared, like the Black Doctor. Oh, yeah, her. Why wasn't she the Doctor? She Good. was tremendous. Excellent. Purely defined character from the beginning. Wasted opportunity while she that. wasn't casted. Yeah, excellent. I think it was the last few episodes I've watched of it. I haven't watched yeah, yeah, yeah. in the past couple of years. Oh, yeah. It, well, hopefully Russell T. Davis is coming back, so it'll be good again. But um, anyway, like The Last Jedi, um, it, it has a clear theme as well about failure, you know, and about standing up again and like trying again, as Yoda politely defines for us when he appears. And he said like, yes, you did fail. You did fail Kylo Ren. You did fail everyone. But that's what happens, you know. And you get back up, and you start ag- and you start again, you know, and that's what he does. He he projects him. He he becomes what the, the universe needed him to be, and he humiliated Kylo Ren. Yeah, you know, he didn't need to fight, and he does what the Jedi are meant to do. Because Yoda again says for us in Episode Five, a Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack, and that is exactly what Luke did, mm. and that's what everyone's forgetting. You know, he humiliated Kylo Ren. By saying, "Do what you want. I'm here, and you'll never defeat. And you'll never defeat good because I'll always be here. You may defeat me physically, but I'll always be with you." But blue titty milk, though. But blue, blue titty milk. It was green in this one. Was it green? Oh, yeah, it was green, green titty, milk. titty milk, and it was lovely by the looks of it. Um, but like, you know, I mean, the whole side quest with like the casino, eh, could have been better. Yeah, the uh, the DJ thing was a bit shit. Bit, bit, not not great. But, but Finn did resolve his arc. Mm. By you know fighting um the um the silver chrome trooper or whatever. He still should have had force powers. That was supposed to be a thing. I don't think he did. I I I think I I like that they didn't go with that because it because it shows that um you can still be a hero and not have the force and yeah. not have the force and not be special, you know, which is why the third film is an absolute <laughs> betrayal of what they set up in the second film. Because the second film, Last Jedi, and this is why I love it so much, is because it sets up... Oh, God, it does it so well. Because when when Kylo Ren defeats... When he kills Snoke, which was a beautiful moment, by the way. Um, like, oh, my God, he's... 
he's we've never seen this before yeah. like where he kills the big bad and then establishes himself as like oh and when they team up and fight those guards which by the way good fight really incredible good. fight yeah so good um when kylo ren's like fuck the sith fuck the jedi let it all burn let's do something different and and there was a moment i honestly thought while watching it in the cinema that like i was like is ray actually gonna do this you know but of course she doesn't yeah because she stands by our principles but like and that's one potential criticism of the film it sets up all this stuff of like letting the past die and it doesn't follow through with it but i think it redeems itself by saying that like no sometimes you have to resist temptation and you have to believe stick to your guns and believe in what you believe in and they do that by um obviously like he resists she resists the temptation of kylo ren who fully gives into evil yeah um and i love the little thing of um like when um um uh, the commander like goes like he's about to kill um kylo ren while he's unconscious and then he when he gets up and he's like uh, and he force chokes him and says like no i'm the supreme leader now <laughs> it's incredible um and you feel kylo ren's fury when he's screaming more, more like more you know it's like he's like kill that man like destroy him you know um but yeah and it's but at the end, when that little boy, everyone's like, who is that little boy? How does he have the force? It doesn't make any sense. I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. You're missing the point entirely. The Jedi, just, the force is the people are still about. The force is, it, it's symbolic because it means that there's hope in the in the, in the the universe. It means, because it's like the, the rebellion has been destroyed to its to its little bit, right? And it's like that little boy there uses the force because it's like, because it means that good is everywhere in the places that you least expect it and you, you see it and it's like it doesn't matter who that boy is you know because it means that hope is still alive and that you know this the story's not done yet and the people who you the n- nostalgia may luke may be dead yoda may be dead a lot of things might have happened that upset some nerds you know because you didn't get to see your toys clash on screen that you wanted them to it's not a that's not what star wars is about star wars is about hope you know as is set in the first film and redeeming people when they fall to the darkness, you know, and uh, I mean, you can kind of argue that in the third film, but the third film is just an absolute betrayal of committing to um, actual genuine story progression and themes and, and that's stuff. That's what you get when you swap directors and writers. That's what you get when you swap directors and you don't commit to what a previous director st- like set up because they shit themselves. You know, and they thought, oh shit, we can't do this. So we're gonna we're gonna bring back Palpatine. That's a great idea for no reason. Doesn't make any sense, and make Ray her granddaughter, his granddaughter. That means Palpatine fucked. He fucked when he looked like that. Amazing, <laughs> isn't that amazing? Yeah, that genuinely amazing. Palpatine um, fucks. That's all you need to take away from that film. Ultimate Sith. You know what I mean? Like they really don't give a shit, do they? Um, I hated it so much, and that that for me ru- that for me ruined Star Wars. Not the Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was going to do something really cool and different with it. And I genuinely felt excited again. I tend to like more the side story Star Wars. Like all the TV stuff that's on. I haven't watched Boba Fett yet. I've not watched it. But I like Mandalorian a lot. Yeah. Um, Rattles and all the animated stuff's great. Yeah. The anime that they did, I've watched a couple and they were great. Yeah. And the games, uh, Fallen Order. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like you haven't played Fallen Order. I've not. No. Ooh, there's a thing. <laughs> so I'm episode. getting some. Yeah, I'm getting some recording equipment sorted to do like gameplay footage because you said you haven't played games. I since like 
I I do play games. Yeah, but you haven't played like anything major, like big, since like PS3 era. No, that is true. I think the last time I played something of like recent era was when I was at a friend's house and I played a bit of Spider-Man PS4. Played a bit of Arkham Knight. You I played don't... a bit of Spider-Man and, P- and uh, Arkham at mine. Yes, I did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I, I played it at another person's <laughs> house as well. Um, but uh, no, no, that's the last time I did it. Really, um, Fallen Order is a good, ge- uh, good Star Wars. Yeah, good Star Wars story. Yeah, right, hopefully cool. it's getting a sequel. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, no, no, that'll be that'll be fun to play. Yeah, because the I'm last cool game I played in in full, I think, was uh, Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I think yeah, excellent game. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's my take on uh, the Last Jedi. I think people need to get a grip and recognize it for what it is and uh, genuinely really good film this has been the lord of the rings podcast <laughs> <laughs> also fellowship of the ring great movie yeah if you've not seen this 20 yeah. 20 odd year old film i mean you hadn't i hadn't so you know um but if you haven't watched lord of the rings uh fellowship of the ring uh yeah go and check it out it's a good time it's a it's a great time actually it's a great time it's a great time um and you'll hear my thoughts on two towers I can't wait because I think <laughs> I think most of Star, uh, Star Wars, most of the uh, Lord of the Rings memes came out of the two towers as well. Did they really? Yeah. Oh well, there we go then. We're waiting for it. Yeah. Right, I think we should end this podcast because I think it's on like two hours or something. Well, like. value for money, as we were yeah. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Very value for money. Yeah. I think we went on a complete tangent. Well, if someone's going on a long journey up the A1, <laughs> perfect, or the M1. Yeah. Whichever letter in one you are, a big road, big journey. Get us on. Like. And like I joked earlier, this has been my friend John, extended edition. (laughs) It certainly has, yes. (laughs) Right, Uh, so yeah, next week, it's going to be fun. Farewell.